Hi, I'm Ali, Salon Director at the Head Gardener Hair Salon in Inverness, and I'm delighted to be sponsoring this brilliant new podcast called Lump. It's honest, raw, challenging, funny, and very, very sweary. But let's face it, cancer is a bit bloody sweary. One last thing, make sure you rate, like, and share Lump wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks a million, and over to Penny. Future Wife, FW. So, David says, in between a gulp of beer and a mouthful of steak, I guess we could get married next year. In a brief moment of calm after the storm of summer visitors, and while lockdown is loose enough to allow such things, we head out for dinner at a local pub. After five months of enforced self-catering, it feels weirdly extravagant and indulgent to have someone else make our food, even if it is just posh pub grub. It reminds me of my 70s childhood, when going out for dinner was a treat so rare it was treated with an almost hushed reverence. Back then, we would generally go out to the Gardenia, a long-established Greek restaurant in Cambridge's Rose Crescent, where we'd eat meze and kebabs with fat, pickled green chilies, while my mum and dad talked about their life in Cyprus in the mid-60s, and mum would pronounce all the dishes with an exotic, if faintly embarrassing, Greek accent. Tiny cups of thick, sugary Turkish coffee, always followed with sticky, almost overwhelmingly sweet baklava and halva. It gave me a long-lasting passion for both Turkish coffee, which I adore but have never managed to perfect at home, and halva. As a student in Newcastle, on the odd occasion when I'd see it in the supermarket, I'd always buy some so the taste could transport me back to those family meals where we seemed unusually united, a lull in the day-to-day arguments and general warring which predominated. But just like holiday food tastes bland eaten back at home, that halva never quite captured those meals out either. It would taste cloying and powdery without the seasoning of context, and I'd come away feeling like a pretentious idiot eating a weird dessert straight from its plastic packet in a Newcastle street. Um, yeah, I I guess we could, I say. Then, was that a proposal? Sort of, he says. It's just I was sort of hoping to be asked. What, down on one knee? David pulls an incredulous face and forks another slice of steak into his mouth. No, just asked, I say. Hmm, is his only reply, but I'm not sure if it's meant for me or in appreciation of the steak. And that was how I became what David fondly terms his FW, future wife. And in spite of the impossibly unromantic, totally Davidness of the whole thing, by pudding I'm past my indignation at not actually being asked and we're already talking excitedly about when and how and where. Something in this gift of a thing to look forward to, to plan for, lifts me. Suddenly, my horizon stretches out that bit further ahead. There's a shift in me, I think. Within a week or two, I've the venue booked 
A humanist celebrant secured, the band have been paid a deposit, Gilly has been pleaded with to help with the food, my friend KJ will make the cake, and I've an appointment to see Hazel, a local jewellery designer, talk rings. I've a notion to incorporate my late Aunt Liz's wedding ring into my own. We shared breast cancer and mastectomy. It feels fitting to have her with me on this next part of the story. Even reading that back makes me laugh at how weird and slightly psychotic bridezilla-ish I sound. But when you're a radio producer for a living, producing a wedding feels no different. This is just stuff I can do. Stuff I can't do, or at least can't imagine being able to do, is the business of buying a dress. I start to Google dress styles and go down endless rabbit holes, awash with beautiful, young, glamorous brides with teeth as white as their gorgeous gowns, all with the full complement of breasts, packed into miles and miles of figure-hugging lace and silk. Even before Bad Boob came on the scene, this would have been my idea of hell. But I brace myself and pluck up the courage to phone a wedding dress shop. The owner, Mel asks if I've any idea what I'm looking for. Long sleeves, nothing with cleavage, and something which covers my back to hide my scar, I tell her. No problem, comes her enthusiastic reply. I put down the phone and think, holy shit, I'm actually going wedding dress shopping. Before I got cancer, I'd spent years perfecting the art of self-criticism and self-loathing. I could have happily spent hours documenting each and every physical fault I have. I have studied myself at great length and could voice my every ugly failing. I've never been sure of the root cause, but for some reason pulling myself apart was my go-to for almost as long as I can remember, particularly if I was down or anxious about something. Now, though, that self-loathing feels wrong. It is wrong. This poor body has been through hell these past few months, and I'm bored and tired with beating myself up. It's not a fat, ugly body. It's a strong, powerful, capable body, and I've decided to give it a break. But in order to do that, I need a hand. Jo comes to the rescue. She runs a wedding venue and has seen a gazillion brides in a gazillion dresses, and she will be utterly honest with me. Joe definitely won't let me buy anything horrific. So Joe agrees to be the one pal I'm allowed to take with me. And one Thursday morning shortly after, we find ourselves in a land so utterly feminine and sparkly and girly that I'm dumbstruck. Never in my 50 years on the planet have I dropped into somewhere quite so completely and overwhelmingly alien. Mine is a world of jeans and fleeces, hoodies and like recycling bibs. Lots of like recycling bibs. I can't remember the last time I wore a pair of heels and find any occasion which requires me to dress up excruciating. Because I've got a strong and muscular body, solid, somehow when I'm dressed up I always have the slight suspicion I look like a bloke in drag. But as I cast around at the rows of sequins and sparkles, a small, tucked-away part of me lets out a squeal of delight. And I can't help smiling, because I know for sure that the me before cancer wouldn't have come into this wedding dress shop. Not a chance. Nope. That me would have begged for the most low-key, quiet, fuss-free wedding possible. 
ideally without the need for any dressing up and preferably minus guests. But this new me thinks differently. I know the old me is here somewhere. She's lurking near the door, ready to suggest we make a run for it. She's whispering in my ear that I'll look fat and embarrassing and hideous. Do one, I hiss back at her. Fuck off. You're not ruining this. This is something special and precious, possibly quite bloody lovely, and you are not welcome. And with that in my mind, I open the door and firmly shove the old trout out into the chilly street. And I love the fact that I've pushed that side of me away. I'm amazed yet again that cancer has given me something, opened something up in me which couldn't open up before this point. So, with the old me firmly banished, I try on dress after dress, a mile after mile of lace and frills. And in spite of the fact that I'm surrounded by mirrors where I can see my scarred and puckered body from all sides, together with all my wobbly bits and wrinkles, I don't care. I feel special and overjoyed to be here with Mel and Joe, searching for a dress to wear to marry David. And because I'm feeling that way, I decide to buy my poor battered body the most beautiful, figure-hugging, utterly jaw-droppingly gorgeous, obscenely expensive wedding dress I've ever seen. Because, well, I think it deserves it. If you're enjoying Lump Podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to leave a review whenever you get your podcasts and share it with everyone you know. And next time you're in the salon, if you tell us how much you're loving the podcast, we'll give you a free gift. Coming up in the next episode... This is the place I come to for self-reflection, to dig deep into the difficult and darker side of my nature, to give me a sense of perspective when perspective is lost. There's a restlessness here. I leave here in peace, but I arrive troubled. Lump is written and presented by Penny Stewart and produced by Adventurous Audio. (laughs) 